All right, welcome everybody. Oh, we forgot. Hold this on. This is the time for our awesome music montage. Yes. All right, that was <laughs> awesome, and uh, I hope that our guest did not leave when that music montage started today. For you guys ever? Did you guys ever watch the movie Strange Brew <laughs> with uh, Bill and Doug McKenzie? <laughs> and there's this little montage there that they go do 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 do. We can't decide what is in our head when we start this, but our first episode, we just started playing that music out loud, and uh, it's now stuck. Well, we are excited to have you join us today for another segment of our All Saints uh, Sandbox Chat. I am Jason Kern, Assistant Head of School for Innovation and Learning here at All Saints, and as everyone, all of our many listeners, like two, I think we're well, up to. Well, you and me. Well, your wife listens that's too. Right. My right. wife, I haven't got my wife on yet, but no, she's coming, so we got, we got that coming. Um, we're here just to talk about nothing, those in-between times at conferences that we love so much, uh, those hallway conversations, those after-dinner conversations. And I am thrilled. Uh, if I ever grow up, I don't, I've never told him this yet. But if I ever grow up, my my uh, aspiration is to be Tim Fish. I, um, I agree with that, and uh, I will say that I am so excited to have Tim with us today. I mean, Tim has been one of the really the most incredible motivators for us and our mission, and then our execution in our school over the last many years. I really can't think of anyone who has been uh, someone who has connected us to as many folks, but also that kept our ideas going. I mean, every time I talk to Tim, I think a little differently about something. And I also think a little bit more about how we can go further. He inspires me to do that every time. And so I am thrilled today to have um, all of our listeners get a chance to have that same effect today with Tim Fish, who um, is, of course, with the National Association of Independent Schools. So, Tim, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. Super excited to be here. And I'll tell you, there are times when I think when I grow up, I want to be, I want to be Mike Cobb or Jason Kern. So, uh, and what you guys are doing at a school, I cannot tell you how often I talk about all saints, um, and enjoy my all saints mug. This is always sitting on my desk, um, for both hot and cold liquids. And, you know, so I just cannot tell you how much my family also enjoys all the, all the, uh, all Saints swag that is around my house. <laughs> makes me so proud, yeah, that makes me proud. <laughs> well, today uh, we're gonna, again, lean into some things that really uh, are always big curious questions for us, but the first that we always like to start with, Tim, is just hearing about what are the things that are now that are really stirring your passions that, that you're either working on or you're seeing in other places around the country. Love to know what are those passion things that are bringing you joy, bringing you interest right now. Well, I'll tell you, this has been, as, as, as you all know far better than I do, this has been a year like no other. Um, we were forced, all of us forced to get out of our daily loveliness and to reimagine schools structurally and to find ways to continue to build relationships and help young people advance in finding their passion and finding their joys in life and being prepared for their futures. And so, you know, what I'm really passionate about right now is just hearing schools talk about what they've done and how they've worked and how much they've accomplished. It is, it is incredibly inspiring 
to hear about the work that our, that our schools have done and the, the individuals in them. And it's not been like big, huge stuff. It's just been daily getting up every day and getting it done. You know, yesterday I was talking with a friend who's an interim head of school, a small school in new England. And he said to me, like, look, you know, I lost, I lost my, my lead custodian, um, and pulled his back out and he's, he's out for the next three months. And he said, so every day now after school, I'm out there pushing the dust mop and getting it done, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just such a great experience, such a great example for me of just, you know, people in our schools have just gotten it done. They just do what needs to be done for kids. And that has just been, so I'm super passionate about that. Super grateful for that. And honored to be part of a community of schools that have been so creative in imagining what's possible. Um, on the other side, I'm kind of curious about what is it that, that, that we've discovered in this work? You know, what have we found to be super important and what have we found that frankly, we don't really need to keep doing it the way we were doing it. And two things have emerged for me that I think are maybe worth having a conversation about. Number one is that, you know, whenever you ask schools, what's at your heart, what's at your center, what do you do really well? Why do you exist? The number one thing or number, it's number it's definitely always in the top three is the relationships between adults in the community and students, um, between student to student, adult to adult, right? That, that notion of community and relationships embedded in that community is always what people talk about. And yet I think at the end of this year now, we understand it at a far deeper level. And I think we understood, we had it taken away from us in many ways. And I think we, we see how much we took for granted. And what I'm seeing schools doing right now is being really deliberate in their design of how do we build the right community that takes care, that puts wellness of the individual at the center and really helps and helps us to build the community that we have always really wanted in some ways had, but weren't as weren't deliberate about it. We weren't applying innovation design energy to doing it even better. We just assumed it was there. The second thing I've seen is this idea that as a teacher, you know, is my role really to be somebody who just sort of presents content. Like what's the role of content? I'm not suggesting that content is important. I'm not suggesting there aren't important things for kids to learn. And certainly the same is true with skills. And yet there seems to be something else. There seems to be more, right? It seems that those are foundational, not endpoints. And, and what's that something more? I, I look to what you all talk about at all saints to the something more authentic learning and student agency. You know, for me, that's the thing that has emerged as the sort of the North star, if you will, that we can be in pursuit of, um, as a community of schools. And the more we do it, the more kids are loving school, the more parents love what their kids are doing. It's this, I call it the silent partner in successful innovation, because when it's there, people love it, but they don't often name it right? They think it's makerspace or documentary filmmaking or the legal center or 
entrepreneurship or something else, right? And the, yes, those things are true, but it's not about those. It's about when agency and authentic learning are present. As you've taught me, Mike and Jason, that's when the magic happens, right? And so I am continually telling schools, don't make it about maker or documentary filmmaking, whatever, make it about agency because then you have the freedom to do it anywhere, right? So that's a long-winded answer to uh, what I'm seeing, awesome. but I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, there's a couple pieces in there that I, I just loved. A, um, you're speaking our language or we're speaking your language. I don't know which so way. Good. It's such a great confluence of, you know, we talk about adjacent possibilities, right? You get in a room with a bunch of people and that's what Sandbox is about. And you just start riffing off of ideas and, and then you, by the end, you're all talking the same language. And it's just, it's inspiring to hear what you just said in relation to what we, we've been doing, especially in the fact of the social emotional learning and the wellness piece, because really shortly prior to the pandemic, we leaned into this idea of authentic learning and student agency is the secret sauce, we think, to social emotional learning. That if you give students something that they care about and that they are making an impact with, that they're gonna want to come to school and they're gonna want to be engaged and they're gonna want to build those relations. And, and we're just seeing that, that while we still have programs and, and we've got some great programs we've added this year for social emotional learning in a different way, just that overarching passion and purpose gives a student that, that belonging. Um, and so it's, it's a really cool aspect. You didn't want to kind of, yeah, I was, just, I was going to say, you know, this year has certainly been a challenge as you mentioned, uh, Tim, and there've been so many things that seem like obstacles for us, but I do feel like maybe more than some other schools that our students felt somewhat protected or insulated from some of those uh, isolation points and some of the problems that other schools were facing because they had already built these authentic um, ways to learn and to group together. And, and they didn't stop because we had to wear face coverings or at times we were social distance. They continued actually even more. And because we had leaned so much into giving agency to not only our students, but our teachers, then when needs arose, they were able to take them. And so like, I love your example. Like, I mean, I've seen some makerspaces that are absolutely inauthentic, right? So just having a makerspace does not create authentic learning and it certainly doesn't give agency. But if you lean into those two things and you can have a makerspace that really does amazing things or a learning farm or an outdoor learning center, or whatever it is that your teachers and students are inspired to want to be part of. And, and that's what this year has shown us that I love your thoughts on what, what are we going to learn from this? We actually had a great session yesterday with our leadership team. And we just asked, well, what was that growth thing for you? I used an exact analogy with our faculty uh, this past week in post playing about we all went through a growth phase this year, you know, and uh, I talked about that there were times where there was manure all over us, and that's part of <laughs> many growth phases, and you have to have some of that. Um, sometimes you're covered in dirt, but also talked about how, as you go through the growth phase, that you have to have companion plants and things around you that actually help protect you from the insects and pests that will take away from your flower and your growth. Um, but we, we talked about, though, this year gave all of us really powerful ways to grow that we would never have had before. And, and that is, of course, what we believe in. We believe that we, we've got to, we are naturally optimists in life. If you're an educator and you don't consider yourself an optimist, I, I kind of challenge a little bit then, what gets you up in the morning then, right? I mean, I get up every morning because I believe our work can make the world a better place. And that at the end of the day, 
we will have a better outcome because of what we do. And so, again, hearing the stories from my team yesterday talk about the growth they had and hearing them say over and over again, like, I grew this year in a way that I, I could never imagine I would have grown in a normal year, in a, a time where we weren't challenged with the things that we were facing this year. And so yet, I'm not at all pleased that we had the challenges we had or what happened to our world, but I believe as an optimist that we can do something good with that and that we will be better schools for it. And I hope that's what all schools will take on it. Yeah. I do have a question, uh, especially kind of talking back to your relational and a lot of the work that you guys have done with jobs to be done mm -hmm. and, and the supply side. Have you noticed a thread through your schools that may be a certain type of school that was more successful in this experience than another type of school in the, in the frame of that jobs to be done, especially in that transactional learning versus relational learning? That's a great question, Jason. Uh, I don't know that I've seen a particular type of school uh, in terms of jobs emerge, right? What we have seen with jobs is that we've seen that parents have often switched what job they were in mm -hmm. um, through this time. And we've also seen that the response from various educational organizations around the country, whether that be public schools or charter schools or independent schools or whatever, how each school responded to this environment created a context where parents' struggles changed, what they were seeking for their child changed. And so it threw many, many parents into this, what we call first thought, this sort of process they go through where they begin wondering, is the school where my child is now serving me in this moment? Mm -hmm. And so the net effect is that many of our schools have actually seen increase increases in applications and increases in um, new enrollments and so on. And there was a lot of worry about whether or not those families would stick around. And many of our schools, they have been sticking around, which has been really exciting and good. Right. And yet one of the things that I think that this moment has also allowed us to do is to your really good point, to take a demand side approach, right? Not to suggest that as educators, we should not be thinking on the supply side and designing good programs and building effective curriculum and, and thinking about brain-based approaches to great learning design, right? Of course, we're educators, we should be doing that work. We should be professional in that alignment. And yet at the same time, we need to take an empathetic approach. We need to be deeply listening to what families and students are asking for. Right. And I think that schools to your really good question, schools that have been prior to the pandemic had a disposition of listening and responding and of learning and of co-creating with families, as opposed to trying to sell a pre-packaged one size fits all product, I think have responded the best in this environment and schools that were more rigid in what they do and just wanted to pick up that pre-packaged program and drop it online or drop it into hybrid with very few modifications, I think have had, have found themselves struggling because, you know, it's really hard to do. And, you know, for me, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is like, you know, if you go all the way back, I mean, for one thing, we end up 
thinking that, you know, school as the concept that we have today, like goes back thousands of years and is immutable and unchangeable. And like, it isn't, it's like a hundred years old. It's like, it's not, you know I mean? It's not that long that we've been doing these things like concepts, like homework or academic departments and disciplines. Like this stuff doesn't, doesn't go back. It's in fact, if you go back to our founding as a nation or even longer, you find that a student led agency, rich real world experience. That is how people, if you want to look at thousands of years, that's how people have learned. And so for me, one of the things I'm wondering about at this moment is really what is for the new, for this new era, for both the post pandemic, a new economy, an economy where both technology and social division and international connections are are so in front of us and massive existential challenges like climate change are right in front of us. Knowing all these things that we are in, what should school be about? What is the fundamental purpose of school? What do we do? What are, we, what are the structures that we should be changing and thinking about in order to best meet the needs of kids? And what I like so much about schools like All Saints is that you all are like, you're not radical in your approach and that you're just throwing it all out. You're bringing your community with you and yet you're committed and you're clear and you know what you stand for. And if a family says, yeah, that whole notion of authentic learning student agency, that, that's not really for me. You're welcome. You're, you're, you know, open and honest and say, well, then maybe we're not it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe we're not the school and you're doing it in Tyler, Texas. Mm-hmm. You're doing it and not the sort of, you know, independent school capital of the world. And you're doing this. And as we've talked about, and as you've all seen in our market view tool, you know, your, you, your population and the number of in, educational options in your area is you've, you definitely have, you know, a lot of options for the small number of families there are in Tyler, Texas. Mm-hmm. And so you're having to be scrappy and creative and know who you are. And the, and often what I see with schools is that the, the tendency is in your situation to say, we need to design a school that's all things, all people. And what I've seen so much and what I think you've seen success in is say, no, 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 we're going to know who we are and we're going to double down on that. And we're going to be really good at it. And we're going to be clear and honest and authentic about what we do. And we're going to invite a whole lot of different kind of learners into our family and into our community, but we're going to do it our way. We're going to do it with passion and creativity and how that actually in effect has driven more interest, not less. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a- I was going to jump on that because what I think is fascinating and is kind of counterintuitive, at least it seemed that early on to folks is that if we could gain this hyper focus and we could really gain this really succinct message about who we are and what we wanted to be, that it actually would not narrow our field. It actually would broaden it and widen it. Right. It actually, by, by knowing who we are, it actually makes more people understand how they can come to it. You know, you think about again, the, the value proposition, you know, our value proposition is, is unique, but it also is different for folks, but they know what they will come to get from authentic learning student agency. Right. And so, 
it is really interesting that I think that All Saints in years past tried to be the, the jack of all trades and everything to everyone. And they thought by opening this, this wider door that we'd have more people. But I think it made it unapproachable for a lot of people because they didn't really know what, what will I get from that. But when folks come to us now, they know exactly who we are. And again, like you say, there are some who they, they just don't buy into our philosophy and we respect that. We're like, there are many other options for you in town. But for those who buy into it, they tell us how they will relate to authentic learning agency and what they want for their children through that. And it's able for us then to have more people actually see the value of our school. And I think that, you know, thinking about the pandemic this year, it's been fascinating to me to watch that, you know, it's hard for people to think about what job they're actually hiring school for in normal times because they're just going through life. But this past year, when things were stripped away, I think that when something's taken away, you know what you miss. And so, we had parents, I think not only at our school, obviously, but all schools asking questions about, well, I know what I missed this year. And I don't know if I would have answered that before because it was never taken away. We had a lot of families that were telling us things that we were surprised about, that, that we now knew that that was a job that we had not anticipated or had the conversation with. And we took a lot of value from that this year. But I am proud to say that the number one thing our parents mentioned when we were not able to be on campus was that our kids were not engaging to get an authentic experiences on the farm. They weren't building things for the community in the fab labs. And that's what they missed. And we're like, okay, this is good, right? And uh, we will be back to doing that again. So th that was fascinating to watch. And I also think a lot about community and, and this idea of a school community, right? We're all in, uh, in independent schools. We've always talked about school community, but I think through the pandemic, we have realized that, that the overarching school community, which obviously, Tim, you understand as uh, you know, Chief Innovation Officer at NAIS, that's what you do. But to see the community, how it's grown for us as a school to continue to connect outside. But then also, we are, by, by defining who we are and owning who we are, um, we're building a community, a bigger innovation community. And Tyler, you want to talk a little bit about how that is is really living out through the city of Tyler and some of the things that we've got going on? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's fascinating to see, though, how, uh, again, it's not just for people who are looking for a place for their kid to grow and learn, but it's also for our community to see ways they can partner to actually move their visions and their passions forward. We of course, have students that are working with nonprofits all over, but also with uh, major companies to run their media and marketing campaigns to building products for them. We have students that sit on boards uh, of directors uh, all across East Texas. And, and that has, again, been um, catapulted. There's been momentum added even through the pandemic for that need, because when, when those things were taken away, those organizations realized the gap or the thing they were missing. And I think that that's, that's happening across. We, we have formed um, a, a new uh, initiative called A3 Learning, where we're helping other schools go forward with how they can do authentic learning, student agency, and agile frameworks. And that we're seeing this is not something that's just in Tyler, Texas. And uh, I, I think that's something we want to prove is that there's nothing unique about our town. Matter of fact, we have some challenges that maybe other places don't have being a small East Texas town. But these opportunities are out there and the pandemic actually opens doors that may not have been opened in the past. And so I really hope people will lean into these, these unique ways that students and faculty can partner with their community to truly impact the world. Yeah, that's right. I think it's such a great point. And, you know, I, I'm a big Seth Godin fan. I don't know if you guys are Seth Godin fans, but mm. you know, one of the things in his latest book, he was talking about this whole notion of best in the world, right? Become best. What are you going to become best in the world at? And, 
And I think when the way, what I like so much about Seth's mention of that is that he, he's kind of like, look, best of the world doesn't necessarily mean the world, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to, it means your world, yeah. right? Yes. And what is your world and what are you going to be best in the world at, at you in your world? And I think that that notion of how, how local what we do is, mm-hmm. and those local partnerships in Tyler and giving students the opportunities that you're giving them, I think is exactly what that looks like. Right. And so for me, the, the question is like, okay, like when you start, like you said, I love that, Mike, you said, what do the families say they miss? What they miss is the kids making stuff in the fab lab. That's going to support other community organizations and Tyler and so on. So my sense is like, okay, then what's that next step? You know, like the, the, I love, so there's two words I talk about with connected agency. One is the notion of structured agency, yep. right? For me, it's about the balance of just enough structure so that the agency is fully realized, yes. right? Age, full agency without just a little bit of structure is like a free-for-all, right? Yep. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about that sort of a magical challenge, that magical construction, the teacher as designer, to create it. The second one for me that I like to talk about is what I call radical agency. Mm-hmm. And radical agency is when we, we push ourselves to the point that even we're uncomfortable with how much we're taking it. Right. And I, and I encourage schools to say like, what is it that you're doing right now that you're like, Ooh, you know, it's almost like Jim Collins and his BHAG his big, hairy, audacious goal. Like we even, we're not sure we're going to make this work even we're And the, the one school that I was, uh, we were talking with in our strategy lab team, we do these things called discovery conversations where we find a school that's doing something and we just jump on a call with them. And the school is the one stone school in Boise, Idaho. I'm not sure if you're familiar with one stone yet. Um, but if you're not, I'd, I'd recommend you jump online and look at it. Well, you know, this is a school that professes a, they're to it. They're, they're a non-public independent school, nonprofit with zero tuition. Mm -hmm. So, so that's an interesting one to begin with, right? We all talk about how we can reduce our costs and you all are frugal leaders in the nation. Mm -hmm. No question about that. Figuring out how to squeeze more out of a 15 or 16 or $17,000 tuition, which is, I know it sounds like a lot to the families in Tyler, but nationally that is a bargain, like a massive bargain. So I'm just going to say that for anybody who's listening, like (laughs) what you guys are able to do with the, with the, with the tuition you asked for is unbelievable. Um, but what they're able to do here be through benefactors and and folks who support the school, they're able to provide their experience with no tuition. Mm -hmm. The second thing they do is they say, that's largely a student run school, Mm -hmm. you know? So the majority of the board members are students, right? Yes the decisions that are made are being made by students. The students are so like, for me, that's radical agency. Now, am I advocating for it at all saints? No, not necessarily. Right. Am I saying that's what you, what I'm curious about is like, what's that next thing? What's that way that we push that edge? Because I believe so deeply as the two of you do. And as you've taught me, I believe so deeply in the power of students. They can do so much more than we as educators traditionally ever thought possible. And they can live into, they can take on more responsibility. um, And that responsibility is transformative for them. So I just, I wonder about as as we look to the future, what what are those elements of radical agency that we're sort of putting in our own place? What does that mean for us? for next year or two years from now and what might that look like? So I just, I throw those two ideas of structured agency and radical agency out 
you know, conversation. What's interesting to me is that when I think about radical agency, this is going to sound like a non-radical thing, but I think where most schools can lean in the most right now is by truly giving great agency to the teachers. Because I hear so many schools when I'm visiting them about agency, they want us to show how we're giving agency to our students. But yet, as I ask them about what agency do your teachers have, they're kind of like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you can't have students have agency if your teachers don't have agency. That's you right. Have to give them freedom and permission, if you will, to do those radical things. And so, Jason can speak more to it, but I mean, our teachers decide all of our uh, professional growth opportunities for our faculty through one of our scrum teams. I mean, they have full agency to decide what are we going to do and what do we want to be growing in. I mean, that agency allows them then to lean in and to take risks and go to edges of cliffs that we might not think of. And, and that's what I'm super proud of. So it, it may not seem radical, but that's for many schools. They are trying to talk about agency for students, but yet they tell the teachers what kind of things they would learn or how they'll go about different processes. And like, well, that is going to result in the same things happening again, right? Yeah, in a class. So you want to talk about how you do the strong teams for that? Yeah, and I kind of want to tie that into structured student agency yeah. because as you, as you think about this, and, and I think that there's a lot of fear for the administrators saying, oh, we're going to give agency to the teachers, and then they're going to do whatever they want, and how are we going to stay on mission? Well, that's where the structure comes in on that part, right? Here's our mission. You know, we, we are igniting passions to impact our world. You have to help us in your classroom live that out the way that's most appropriate to you, but you can't just go off on your own tangent and go off mission, right? And so that's the structure that we give them. So as they sit in those meetings and we say, our last Fridays are meant for professional growth. Now we have to define what that means in relation to our mission. Because you know, sometimes they're like, oh, we should just take this last Friday off because our teachers are tired and they need energy. Well, how does that help us accomplish our mission. If you can explain to me how it does, then, then we can have a discussion yeah, about that. that. Yeah. So I was gonna say, that, that's, a, that, that's a real life example right there that happened this year. You can imagine that, that conversation, you can hear it in your head this past year. But what was amazing is that as that question is about asked, how do we live our mission though, and still do what y'all wanna do, we ended up resulting in us having Tai Chi, line dancing and yoga for our teachers in that professional growth day. And it was one of the most incredible days we ever had. And our faculty came back after on the scrum team and said, we we're so glad we did that. Like that was amazing, right? But but those are the conversations that you're, you're given that agency, but you are always tying it back to what we refer to as our North Star. And that is really where we look at our, our mission statement, our core values, and then the four elements of our strategic plan. And so when we have the conversation, how are we innovating? How are we inspiring? How are we engaging? How are we ensuring with whatever we want to do right now? And the answer is, I don't know. Well, let's keep pondering that um, until we have that answer. Or it is, oh, well, we can do Tai Chi. We can do yoga. We can do line dancing. We'll still do that. And, and it really is, it's, it's amazing to me to watch, though, how when you give agency to teachers, though, they began to also understand the challenges of having agency by, I better ask better questions. And are they also understand the joys of having agency and they want to pass it on to their kids. But I've yet to see a, a place where kids have agency where you have teachers that don't have it, where they don't, are being told what to do and they're walking in and they're just letting kids go, right? That's Not right. That's yeah. right. And I think what I also love is that notion of agency connected to a, to a compelling mission, right? Because, yeah. because we all, we do need to have, we climb in the same mountain, right? Yes. 
And agency doesn't mean close my door and you leave me alone and I do whatever I want. That's not agency, right? It might be agency, but it's not structured agency. It's not that it, it's not that sort of common mission that grounds us, right? And I and I think that that when you have an agency rich environment, it's even more important to have the clarity of your mission, yeah. because the likelihood that you're going to end up with people going in eight million different directions is pretty high because you're like go right. So you need to sort of sh- you need to sort of guide the community on the mountain we're climbing. Right. Well, you know, Tim, to that point, when we do a, a, a talk where we talk about student agency, we kind of play into that secret agent, right? I mean, the, the word itself is used in lots of different ways, but, but, you know, to be an agent, to be a secret agent, to be someone who is out doing it, you have a mission, right? I mean, everybody who's seen any great spy movie, they have a mission and they're all on it and they're agents. They have different jobs to do, but, but they're on a mission. They know what it is. And, and I think that's how we encourage our teachers, be that agent out in our community, right? Be that person that in your own way is achieving what we are trying to achieve. And you may go around it a different way, but we're all going, we're all working for the same thing. So I think it's a really cool way to think through that. And I think that, that it's, it's to give the teachers, the, the empowering them to give student agency, when we go back to that content, right? Like, how am I going to still teach my stat class if I let my students decide everything? And it really is that you know your fundamental core things that you need to get done in stats. You just need to ask the right questions that make sure that they get back to, you know, what is a regressive, you know, linear equation so that they have to understand it, but they can understand it in their own way. And they're going to own that and they're going to love that because it's authentic and it's something that they care about, but you still accomplish what you want. You didn't just say, here's the book, do it however you want it. That's not what we're saying. And I love how you talk about that, Tim, throughout that. I think that you've reinforced that to, to me for sure, that we've got to empower our teachers to give structure, constraints build imagination. Right, we all know that that happens, and so how do we do that? And it's just beautiful to think about that all the way through. Well, and I have to rip off that because um, I, I do believe, and you mentioned this early on, Tim, that a school though that doesn't really understand its north star, doesn't have a very clear vision for where they're going, and then understand a little bit about what that path's going to look like, can't do any of this effectively. They they can't give agency. They certainly can't give structured agency that will result in that North Star, um, uh, you know, destination for them. And so I think that is a really cool thing for all schools to say, okay, where are we going? What, what is guiding us there? And then you will be able to give agency that will help that along. So, well, you know, I think that we've just, you know, another 40 minutes has flown by as, as we talk in these things. We're always like, we're walking in with no agenda. How in the world are we going to fill up time? And uh, we always at the end go, okay, we need more time to do this. Right. But I'd like to leave you with one, one question, Tim, uh, and, and maybe just like a sentence of this. Uh, you've talked a lot about it, but, but right now, what is your moonshot, you know, really that you're looking to that, that we can impact the world doing what we do in education, and, you know, I know that's that's a hard thing to do in in one sentence, but but I, I'm so impressed by how much you see and how much you do. I'm just curious as we leave here, what what is that moonshot to impact our world? That's a great question. You know, Jason, I am often trying to put my educational philosophy in a tweet. That's something that I like. If you try to boil the whole thing down, yeah. 
you know, and in the old tweets, not the new tweets, right? Yeah. 140 <laughs> characters, you know, what would it, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. And the current one that, um, that I'm playing around with in my head, which I guess you could say is my moonshot for what school could be right. When you're clicking and it's really working, what's it look like for me, the new one. And I, I don't know if this answer your question, but it is diverse learners doing meaningful work that matters. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Right. That is, that's my, that's my uh, one sentence end out on what we might be looking for. I retweet that. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. And and again, more than that, thank you for being a continual uh, inspiration and fan for our school, for our community, but also schools all across the country. Um, There's no way that we'd be the school we are today without you. And so we're deeply appreciative. Well, I just, I'm so appreciative of having spent time with you all and just had the chance to visit and spend time in literally in your community and look forward to doing it more look forward to working in our collaboration. And at NAIS, we believe in this idea of co-creating the future with our member schools. And you all are a key, key part of our co-creation. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Tim, would you mind leading us out with a little music montage? Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you, man. Have a great weekend. Be well. Take care. See ya. Bye.